Hey everybody, this is Nubia. And I'm Francis. We are your dynamic duo of Chronicles Abroad. As always, our goal is to inspire you to travel with passion and purpose. Now let's get on with the show. Hello beautiful people, welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week, we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. everybody what's going on i'm nubia and i'm francis and welcome back to chronicles abroad so today we have a special guest today which all of our guests are special so special okay francis exclusive (laughs) today we are sitting with shay cannon shay cannon is an entrepreneur who used to work for a forbes 500 law firm and was not fulfilled so like many of us she was like bump this and decided to live a life of purpose on her own terms. She created her company, Propel to Profit, correct? Girl, we propelling profit. However, the little proposition in the middle, we propelling. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) We propelling for profit. Okay. (laughs) Shay helps entrepreneurs to propel their businesses to making profit. And she is a friend of mine's, which I am so grateful to have in my world. And I'm so happy to have her on the show. So Shay, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. And I'm just so happy that you guys are spreading the word that it's more people like us and we're doing this thing and it's awesome to do. Yes. You know, and it's crazy because Chronicles Abroad started because when we were, you know, researching, well, when I was researching, I didn't find people that look like us, mm-hmm. you know, or, or in our age bracket, or in our, in our age bracket. So that's how it got started. And then I was so surprised that once I moved abroad, there were so many of us out here. And I was like, well, why? Her experience was different than mine. Cause when I moved abroad, that was, I didn't see no black folks. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't do as good a research as I thought I did. So, Well, I think your purpose was different, though. You know what I mean? You were going specifically for teaching. That wasn't really my thing. So you was kind of looking in your own market. But this is not about us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's about Shay. Yes. So let's move on yes. to Shay. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how you felt working for these corporate firms, right? Making six figures, doing your thing. I think you were in Atlanta, Georgia at the time. Is that correct? I was. I was. So I worked in the, you know, extremely popular and posh Buckhead area, you know, for the top law firm. And so, you know, I'm I'm already a rebel. So I already don't like doing what people tell me to do, but I'm great at my job. Right. But that's not enough in corporate America. You have your, um, you know, you have your office politics. You have your uh, lack of leadership from people in leadership positions. Um, You have your processes and operations that don't make no damn sense. Right. You just kind of want to do your job, be good at it and go home. But the problem is, you know, with those six figures, you know, comes times when you don't know what time you're going to go home. Um, It comes with times where you're working on the weekend or times when you have to miss birthday parties or holidays. All of that happens. And then, you know, (laughs) you're just not happy. And then when you finally get a chance to get vacation 
approved. Did you hear that? You know, I have to ask, yep. can I use what's supposed to be a benefit to me? You know, can I go away? Cause you're draining the shit out of me. Can I go and recharge? <laughs> right. So, you know, once you get it approved and you go is, you know, you almost can't enjoy the vacation because you know, it's short lived, of course, you know, cause they're going to die if you take more than a week and to get to a week is you know a big deal. But by the time you really are into the vacation, it's over and you're damn near depressed because you got to do what? Go back to you the traffic and to corporate America. To like almost a lot of people, 90% of our listeners right now, because that was really our lives, right? And that is so many yeah. lives of Americans. And I say Americans because as you know, living abroad, you've seen a different side to things and what yeah. work looks like and what actually community looks like and family looks like, you know? And I felt like other countries really do value the premise of time and family where they, they're pushing time on you. Yeah. You know, I know in Germany, like they require you to take a month off. At least 30 days. <laughs> you know, like, no, you got to go. And you're like, but I don't want to go for a month. They're like, bye. <laughs> Figure out and do something. But in America, it's so, it's just. Uh... It's that whole workaholic you know, work martyr mentality that does nobody good because you can't be a productive person, a productive worker in that kind of space. It's just, it doesn't work. But something gives at some point. It's the six figures that keep you there. It is, but, but we, you know, most of your life, the model in the box that you're raised in is, you know, you get the education and you make the money and you have the family and that equals happiness. Right. And so I get to the six figures and, you know, it's great not to have the budget, you know, a bitch balling. Cool. You know what I'm saying? But, but I got the little mini mansion, but I don't ever get to enjoy, you know, being home in the mini mansion. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I never got the luxury car or anything, but hell, I wouldn't have done anything but go between home and work. So, you know, what am I doing in a luxury car? And so that dream that we were sold, you know, it, it takes a while for it to cement that that may not resonate for you. Now, some people it do. And I don't have a problem with you doing whatever you want to do with your life, but it didn't fit for me. And so it's funny because people give the millennials a hard time, but I call myself an elder millennial. I am 48 years old. And let me tell you something. I've had that rebel in me for a long time. So I kind of knew it was time for me to get on up out of corporate America before they kicked me out because I was doing shit like, you know, I have my my annual evaluation. <laughs> you know, at the end, they're like, do you have any questions? I'm like, no, but now it's time for me to evaluate you. And I'm handing out two page shits, you know what I'm saying? And I'm letting them know, hey. So, you know, I was already getting a bit fed up and a bit, you know, too rambunctious. It was, it was time to go. You know when <laughs> it it's was time, time to go. go, though. You know when it's time to go. But the crazy thing about it is even when you know it's time to go, sometimes you talk yourself into six more months. Yeah. Or after this one year, you know, yeah. it's this constant cycle that you're trying to make yourself believe if you just do it a little bit more, you'll have more in order to it's back out of it. Yeah, it's you're using logic and probably not the most effective and most beneficial way. Yeah. You know, we use logic because you got bills and stuff like that. But how about if you use logic in a sense of like, you know, what if this does work out? What if I make that strategic plan? Sometimes it's I mean, no damn plan. Sometimes you just got to do it. I don't want nobody to do it the way that I did it because, you know, I kind of had a third of a plan. <laughs> 
I would like for people to have more than you know the plan that I had, but I did have a plan. So I've been an entrepreneur in one way or another since I was in middle school selling candy, right? And so, you know, I had a business where, you know, it doesn't matter what the business is, but I knew I needed to invest in that business to eventually get it to a point where it could afford me the lifestyle that I wanted to live. I want the six figures without the six figure headache of corporate America. And so I don't even need six figures. You know, can I just afford the lifestyle that I want? Because I would love a life on vacation. Well, you know, if you know how to travel affordably, it doesn't have to cost that much. Right. And so I started to research it. And most like you guys, I couldn't find people of color with a little flavor saying they were in other countries living. It was a little, you know, it was a little unseasoned chickenish. And so I too. needed resources like you guys and I couldn't find them right especially when you in chickenish I love it oh my gosh that's that's a t-shirt unseasoned so what kind of flavor were you looking for real quick what kind of flavor were you uh I mean I needed some old Tony Saturis, some, I don't know, some, 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 <laughs> some flavor, some, you know, Southern fried chicken. And I'm not talking about, you know, Colonel Sanders, cause that's still huh, not good enough. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? I needed more than 11 herbs and spices. I needed some other stuff. I can dig it. I can dig it. <laughs> so even when you search the, the actual name expat or expatriate, None of us really came up. And especially like you guys said, this is why you guys are so important. The people that came up, like even when you fall in line with, okay, unseasoned chicken it is, but can I have it in the oven as long as I need it in the oven? Where are the grown folks that's doing this thing? You know what I'm saying? So all I see is, you know, early 20s, early, you know, early 30s or whatever. Where are the people who are empty nesters? Where are the people who, you know, have lived a life and now they're on a second life. I need to know what y'all think because, you know, us old folks, you know, we we got some extra stuff going on, right? Stuff get on our nerves. And, you know, I recently um, discovered that Cancun is not for me. You know, I was there at night and I was like, why are people still driving around? Why are the birds so loud? Like, what is going on? So I know I'm old. (laughs) You sound like me. (laughs) You be hanging out. She had me hanging out in these CDMX streets. I like a good reggae, you know, just a little reggae We in the reggae club, right? And I'm looking at her like, what time is it? <laughs> so she shows me the time. I'm like, okay, I got another maybe 30 minutes in me. 30 minutes. What what time is it? <laughs> I was like, I think you. I think it's time to call the Uber. Like I'm. I'm, I'm Once in a while, I yeah. like some tunes, you know. But I know like the birds would just be too damn. Everything just loud. Yeah, I like to call myself a seasoned individual. I don't like to call myself old because there's nothing old about me. You understand you sure what I'm saying? Complain about your knees. You know what? But you do not. But you were preaching to the choir here, and I love hearing it because a lot of times people paint this picture like, "Yeah, I just was," and it's just like, no, that's not how life should be. You should not be able to get this far, but not even be able to enjoy it. You understand what I'm saying? And you are, and you're a mother. You understand what it's like to have to juggle a full-time job, kids, you know, all of that and household. And we don't get a lot of those on the show because a lot of people are single individuals. So it's almost refreshing to hear someone who literally went through the same kind of course, parenting, work. You know, trying to balance having a goddamn social life, you know, or even just a me time, which didn't exist and all of that. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So you you were, you were like, bump this, okay? You didn't really have a, a specific plan because you're like, don't do it like I did. So what did you actually do? What Yeah. What was it that Shay did? 
know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Okay, so Shay, like I said, I was investing in the business and getting the business to where it could take care of me, right? I thought I was about a year off, you know what I'm saying, from doing that. But, you know, those birthdays have a way of making you reflect. You know, those birthdays have a way of, if even if you're already a rebel, making you further say, you know, uh-uh, I ain't going to be able to do it. So I got a little anxious. You know, I came in on my birthday, which is usually a time that I travel. I usually go out of the country on my birthday. Um, but this year I didn't go because I was investing in my business. I got in this high-priced coaching program. And so I didn't want to like, you know, just starve all of the funds trying to have fun too. So I made the choice of investment. So I stayed home. So I think I did something like um, Cirque du Soleil. They have that every year on my birthday in Atlanta. And I went, uh, but I worked on my birthday. And that was the first time I worked on my birthday in a long time too. So I made sure I, I got off on time, you know, and I, and I went to the Cirque du Soleil show, but that shit was so unfulfilling. I was like, yeah, this is not a beach. This is not travel. This is not a new culture. This is this is motherfuckers flipping around on silk stuff. And that's not enough. Right. That was not the environment you wanted to be in at that time. And I felt like I was placating myself. Like it was like, I don't know. I put so much into that experience in that it was like indicative of what was going on in my life. Yeah, this is nice, but this is not what I want. Yes, this may be enough for somebody else, but it's not enough for me. So, you know, baby girl had an attitude when she came in to work the very next day. And, you know. <laughs> baby girl had what? I, I'm just saying. Baby girl had an attitude. attitude. <laughs> and I basically came in and um, I already had an attitude. And, you know, my boss, one of my attorneys called me in his office and he was talking about something. And when I tell you, I just saw his mouth moving. It was almost like, Charlie Brown, wah, wah, wah. I don't know what that man was saying, right? In fact, he was surprised I didn't have a comeback and give him the blues because I just remember the end of it. He was like, you know, I appreciate you for taking that well and whatever, whatever. And I was just thinking to myself, yeah, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to do it like no more. So I didn't want to make a rash decision because that was like on a, on a Wednesday, right? Just a, a Wednesday. And so I said, I don't think I want to do it anymore but let me think about it. I don't want to make an emotional decision because I'm really about to say fuck this shit. And so I need to calm it down, you know, and try to be rational. So I get home and I, and I say, OK, I'm going to pray about it. Let's see what happens. Let me meditate on it. See how I feel tomorrow. Yeah, I woke up the next day. I still was like, fuck it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing changed. I still feel the same goddamn way. <laughs> Same way, right? And the sad part, and this is where I say don't necessarily do it like I did because I didn't have a full plan. I basically called one of my clients and was like, hey, if I could do more work for you, you know, would you have more work for me to do? And she was like, oh, yeah, because I need everything you got. I just don't give it to you because you're always busy. Hmm. Okay, cool. So at that point, I know I can replace at least two thirds of my income. Okay. So then I started looking at, okay, let's see what this plan could look like if this could happen. I'm almost getting excited, right? Almost, but I hate to be disappointed. So, you know, I wasn't trying to put it all in there, but let's see what this thing could look like, right? So now I'm over here trying to reduce expenses. Okay. What does that look like? Okay, cool. No problem. Okay. Next, let me see. I go in and I'm like, okay, I need to get all of my shit off these folks' computer That's and me. all of my shit out of this cutting hole. Let me get all my stuff. looking empty, you know, okay, I'm on my way out the door. Yeah. I start grabbing little things at a time. That's I start, me. you know, yes, yes. My, it's so funny. When, when I quit my job back in 2013, they're like, does Francis still even work here? Because, like, my desk was empty. <laughs> they called me the ghost worker. <laughs> You 
you gotta know when it's time to start cleaning up shop. Sometimes there's people who don't like to even get comfortable because in this day and age, to companies, you're very expendable. So at any point in time, you can come into work and be gone. gone. So what's the point of making a home somewhere that necessarily isn't always going to probably be there. Nothing, in any event, nothing's guaranteed. But nothing's guaranteed. Go ahead. That's very true. And I, I used to have a one box rule. Like, I only need to have enough stuff here to fit in one box so I can go into the house, right? Um, but clearly I had overstayed that rule because I had been there about three years and I had junk everywhere. And so it wasn't necessarily that my space looked vacated, but it looked clean. Like she finally cleaned and organized because I took all the extra stuff home. You know, I left little key pieces where it didn't look because, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm glad I haven't said the name of the law firm. But them folks was petty. So you can't get them a clue. You know what I'm saying? That you think about doing something. You have to be ready. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So that takes us through Thursday where I get all my stuff and, you know, go home. And on Friday, I felt like this is the day I'm going to make my final decision. And so I decided, you know, yeah, I'm going to do it. And so I type up my resignation. What I did was I spent the morning of Friday getting my coworkers ready for my absence, right? Because they were kind of petty. I, you know, if you go and say, you know, I, I quit, I give it to my two weeks notice, you know, they could very well say, nah, boo, go on today. You know, so I didn't want my coworkers to have to deal with my, my absence and not be prepared. So I got all my work up to date. I got, you know, I created all these how to's and all of these, you know, updates of where everything was and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So that if I had to leave that day, my coworkers weren't put in a bad spot, right? It was such a good doobie. Yeah, that's awesome. That work ethic that they didn't deserve, right? <laughs> so, you know, I do all of this. And by 12 o'clock, I had emailed my resignation and it felt good. And it was so funny because, you know, our law firm, the first part is I worked in labor and employment. So they all know the rules, but they all, when I tell you, they be breaking the rules. So by 12.02, damn near everybody in the department knew I had emailed my resignation. Everybody looking around, acting funny, whispering, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was That's just like, yeah. That's office politics yeah, you were man. talking about, man. Yeah, yeah. As an entrepreneur, just recently I was thinking to myself that I miss kind of having that coworker worker relationship sometimes only because there's times when I am just like missing interaction with other people, social interaction. It's one thing I can call you up. I can hit up somebody else or whatever, but there's a difference of actually sitting across from or walking to someone's desk or just that. I'm not, you know, I don't miss the office politics and the nonsense, you know, because my coworkers weren't necessarily my friends, right? But it was just, you know, just having that social interaction because as an entrepreneur, I don't have much of it unless I'm making it. You know, there are solutions to that and there are solutions that can be on your own terms, which is way better. So, you know, you're part of a mastermind. You have us to kind of bounce ideas and stuff off of. But also you could also go a few days a week and work at a co-working space. Work at the. That's what I try to do. You have freedom to go somewhere on a routine basis to build those same types of relationships, but in the way that you want to and with the type of people that you would rather be around. I mean, I love, the, I love what you just said because I recently uh, returned to the workforce, but I was very intentional with the kind of working environment organization I wanted to be a part of. Fortunately, it worked out and I had really great coworkers and just good people to be around. So it kind of reignited that, you know, hope that that stuff still exists. So it's like, mm-hmm. the, but the key word that you used was be intentional. Yes. And that word has kind of been my word, freedom and intention. Right. Because now I have the freedom to be intentional because, you know, I up that entrepreneurship to doing what we're here today to talk about, which is 
Now I can work and live anywhere in the world and still work my business all on my own terms. Everything is very intentional. I can pick the clients that I want to work with and, you know, kind of repel the ones I don't or fire the ones that I don't. Right. Um, I can do exactly what I want to do to make money. I can set my own hours. I can work from anywhere. It could be the coffee shop. It could be the beach. It could be wherever. You know, that life is the life I decided that I wanted. That life was the one that I wanted in the second half of my life so that it can now be about me. Because Nubia, you talked about that parenting. That parenting is no joke if you're doing it, you know, in the way that you're actually getting your children ready for the world. That shit is a sacrifice, right? So now you're sacrificing at home, you're sacrificing on the job, you're barely getting in time for you. Nothing is, you really don't have the freedom within that construct to live life the way that you want to. So leaving corporate America and even leaving the U.S. was all about, living life with intention, stopping and going slow enough to decide what do I want and when do I want. I mean, it's even, you guys know, being an expat, you even pick the people you want to be around and spend your energy on. The people whose energy you feel like absorbing. You know what I'm saying? It's that deep. So you put in your resignation, okay? Let's talk about what we call the three Fs. They have to do with fear, your family, Mm -hmm. and finances. So now you already thought about the finance part. You're like, you know what? I make six figures, but I can't deal mentally with this shit no more, right? But you kind of put it in your mind how you can make your money with the clientele that you're, you know, being a consultant and all that stuff. You got creative. Now let's talk about family. Your mom, Okay. you know what I'm saying? What was that thought process like? before you decided to go abroad where you, was it a battle? Was it like, you know what? I done raised y'all, peace out. Mine was like, peace out. I was like, I I can't. How old are your kids, by the way? Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. We thank you for your support. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Now back to the show. All of our birthdays are the last four months of the year, right? So we've all had ours by now. So I'm 48. The oldest daughter is like 35 and she's my goddaughter, but you can't tell me that's not my baby, right? And so my oldest son is 30. The middle son just turned 27 and the youngest son is now 19. So those are the ages. Now, at the time that I decided to you know, leave the U.S., the youngest son was in his first quarter of high school you know, the first half of high school, he was really the only one I went to and asked his opinion because this was going to affect him directly. Everybody else is indirectly. So I talked to him about it. He was like, you know, I'm down, you know, let's just, you know, do it and see if I like it. You know, I get him enrolled in this, um, you know, online academy. Everybody was talking about homeschool. And I was like, yeah, I've been killed him. We need to find something else. Right. <laughs> Not in my house. Somebody yeah. else's home. <laughs> I hate it. And how am I going to um, find a time to school him full time and then try to work a business full time that, you know, brings in the money. I found the online academy, you know, and as a senior, they don't expect you to teach them stuff. They expect them to do stuff on their own anyway. So that worked out great. Um, now let's talk about the rest of the family. Woo. Them older kids acted up. Let me tell you, them older kids acted up. So my daughter has my oldest granddaughter. So I have grand girls, um, three of them. And so my daughter has one of them. She has the oldest grandgirl. My oldest son has the other two. And they were just like, when it didn't work that, you know, why are you leaving me? It was like, how are you going to leave them? Right. And I was like, look, let me tell you something about them little girls. They got more than y'all ever had. They both, you know, all three of them got mamas and daddies. They working with more than, you know, we all worked with. So they, they will be fine. But the kicker was, you know, everybody in my family, once again, is used to me being a rebel, just deciding to do stuff and just doing it. You know, they all just say, oh, Shay always just doing stuff. Right. Well, 
I guess the jump to another country was a bit much. So yeah, my grandmother wasn't having it at first. She was, <laughs> she was tripping. But then I kind of got her used to it. You know what I'm saying? When I finally left, we, we have our every Sundays. In fact, I'll talk to her today, you know, and so she, she feels better. But it seems like right when she got used to me being in Belize and I came home for a month in December and I went back out, I came to Mexico, which is where I am now. So y'all know right now, I don't know when this will air, you know, because it's going to be forever on the net. Right. But just know that right now, Donald Trump is president. And my grandmother felt like, you know, Donald Trump was going to wall up the Americas. Okay, because, you know, people forget that Americas go from Canada all the way down. They forget it goes past just the U.S. But, you know, Donald Trump is going to wall with the Americas and I'm going to be locked out. Grandma's like, they're not going to let you back in, baby. Don't leave, baby. Don't leave. So I had to explain to Nana, you know, saying that, you know, planes fly over walls every day, Nana. You know, even the biggest one, you know, the Great Wall, planes can fly over them. It's it's going to be fine. I promise it's going to be fine. tripping but they all you know pretty much got over it you know I get all the support now they love seeing the pictures they love hearing about the experiences they all you know some of them you know faking like they're gonna come um, my daughter has brought her entire family over her and her husband and my grand my oldest grand girl um, my youngest son is over it he's in his gap year now you know he's out of high school and he's like yeah I did believe with you you can have that Mexico stuff you know what I'm saying and everybody else is just like oh yeah we'll come We'll come, just stay in touch because, you know, let's talk about the fear part, right? That was the family. Let's talk about yes. the fear. Your family will try to bring fear out of you if nobody else does. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I get one more article about the cartel, one more. I doubt the cartel is where I am eating 20 peso tacos. I doubt they over there. I don't think that's where the money is. I don't think they're acting up. And they don't want us. They don't want our black us. Because there is no kidnapping power in taking one of us. I'll just tell you that right now. But let's talk about how I'm six feet tall. Who finna kidnap me? These little messes. Come on now. I'm most of them. They can't flip it up and put me in the handbag, right? <laughs> let's just be real. Yes, everybody is very small in Latin America. They are very, well, not in Latin America as a whole, but like Central America is very, if you ever been to Guatemala, they're shorter than Mexico. I'm just saying, look up Mayans. <laughs> them things, come on. You don't know what's going on with that height. But no, they're not targeting me. I'm not the easy target. So yeah, you know, there was there was fear. You have people, you know, when you share your journey, they say, oh my God, I wish I could do that, but I'm too afraid. And so the one thing that I need to be more clear on, and this is my mission for 2020, is teaching people that I know I seem fearless, but I'm not fearless. I just get familiar so I don't have to fear it. And so the things that you're most familiar with, you no longer fear. So get educated on where you want to go. Go visit a few times. Do something. But if you really want to make a change, you cannot let fear stop you. Because like they say, on the other side of fear is a lot of great stuff. I'm not for the fear. Yeah, and I totally resonate with that. I always encourage people to do micro acts of courage. So it's like, what are the tiny bitty steps that you can take? You know, you can keep marching forward towards that fear because you got to do it scared anyway. Because if you really sit down and think about life, life is scary. Is You know what I'm saying? But what are the little steps that I could take that are comfortable enough, still a little bit scary? Did you die? You know, that kind of thing. Like, no. So the micro acts of courage can really build that resilience so that you can 
propel your life forward. Yeah, I'm a firm believer of, you know, taking the the time to just do it. A lot of times, you know, people start thinking about the plan, right? And when you start putting too much thought into something, what was that? You um, can think your way right out of it. Exactly. And you can have the analysis paralysis. It's a reoccurring cycle and you're continuously still planning out. And sometimes you just got to get your toe wet, your feet wet. And the great thing about the travel community now is that so many people are now showing their stories. So even Essence has like an online version of the Black Expat and they're showing, or not even the Black Expat, Black Travelers, A. Um, you have people like Travel War, you have us, you have so many different platforms now that people are sharing their stories. You're learning a little bit more about how people travel more and, and what they've done. I'm very transparent on the stuff that, <laughs> doesn't work <laughs> you know what I mean because I think people are so caught up on just sharing what the stuff works. that works and doesn't really be honest about you know it's not always fun and games you know and there are some times where loneliness creeps in there are some times when you're a consultant it's what you would call struggle money because sometimes you have more sales and sometimes you don't have a lot of sales it ebbs and flows and people don't talk about that Enough. I agree. That's why I said that for 2020, I really want to talk more about the fact that I seem fearless because I don't let fear stop me. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, put up a facade, but it just seems as though I, I've learned that people are taking it like I don't have the fear. Not that I've ever said I don't, but they're just taking it that way because in their mind, how else is she doing it? So I have to, put, you know, add to my mission, showing them how I have the fear and how I overcome it a lot more because they are used to me just doing stuff. You know, they just assume that it's just not in me to fear when that's not true. And so I just want to start sharing what my obstacle busters are when I feel the fear going across, you know, water and living in a whole different country where you know no one, right? And you're by yourself. There are fears, but it works for me to identify exactly what are the fears. Don't just be fearful in general. Figure out what is, what are your exact fears so you can start to tackle those. A great example of that is one of my fears was, of course, safety, because people are drilling it in my head over and over again. Oh, it's not safe. It's not safe for women. Oh, it's not safe for black people. Ain't no black people over there. Who are you going to have? So I, I intentionally picked places that I knew had a expat community. I intentionally picked places where I could identify where the embassy is if I get in trouble. I did my research on, you know, how do you even use an embassy? Because we don't use embassies in the U.S. When you're in the country you live, we don't use embassies, Before right? Before you move on, the embassy thing. We literally yes. just interviewed, re-interviewed a guest of ours, Yan and Lee. And Lee got arrested in China. And oh, had wow. to use the embassy to get involved. And that was one of the things is like, how do you use the embassy? Because it's not something that typically we time. think about yeah. at all. Yeah. I never even thought about it. You know, I'm just like, oh, that's where the U.S. embassy is. And that's it. But I didn't know. I don't have numbers. I don't know what to do if certain things happen. So that kind of sparked that. So it's amazing to me that you brought that up because now that's a whole nother situation to prepare yourself, mm -hmm. right? Is preparation. What are the numbers? Because 911 don't work in every country. Ooh. You know what I mean? <laughs> And sometimes you're trying to get away from the law in that way, right? Because she got arrested. So she couldn't call the Chinese police on China. You know what I mean? So it's like, who do you call in an emergency? Essentially, you're, you're being logical about this. Like, let me remove the emotion from the situation and let's get clear. 
Exactly. Because it, I'll go a step further. It's not just, you know, uh, help with the law. It's going to be your protection, too. Right. You have to plug in into the embassy. They have programs and stuff that email you when things are going on. You know, what I'm saying they have a rating system for how safe cities and countries are. They let you know when things are going on. You know, what I'm saying and even staying abreast with, you know, the weather and stuff, because I love a beach. And so I need to know, you know, do I need to evacuate? You know, do I need to keep, you know, enough money? Because it's so funny because in a Facebook group, the lady um, posted, she said, you know, what are your evacuation plans? I was like, a plane ticket? I'm not staying here. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> Y'all can have the hurricane. I'm not I here. actually had a friend who got evacuated from Vietnam because she was there during the heavy rainy season, the monsoon season. And the hostel she was in, she said it flooded all the way up to the second floor. And so they started evacuating people. And that was scary for her because we couldn't talk to her all the time. And, you know, there was times when electricity was down and everything else. It's all of these things that I never really thought about until somebody else shares their story. And I'm like, shit, I never thought about that, you know? We want to make sure you'll never miss a show. So be sure to swing by our website at chroniclesabroad.com where you can subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, we'll appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend or five about the show, that will help us out big time. We would love to have you join our growing Facebook community. Yes, y'all. We finally opened up our group called Chronicles Abroad Collective. This is the name of the group. This is where we share tips, resources, and encouragement. If you love the episodes, then you'll love the community even more. Simply click the join button. Can't wait to see you guys there. depends on the person that you are, right? We all have our own personal fears. And that's why I said you have to identify what your fears are and try to conquer those. Now, as you're doing stuff, you know, other fears are going to pop up, right? Like, you know, I live in Mexico. Little did I know that the place that I picked to live because I want to be with the locals is the hood. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I hear them selling stuff. You know, they clapping and clown horns. But, you know, I didn't know this was the hood hood. You know what I'm saying? It's the hood hood. But, you know, it just goes to you know, we have hoods in, in the U.S. You know what I'm saying? How do you navigate the hoods in the U.S.? Well, number one, you mind your damn business. Number two, you know what I'm saying? You speak to people topically. So you give them a chance to get familiar with you. Not necessarily your routine, but you. You know, like I live in this area. You're going to be seeing me. I'm just going to speak and be a nice, pleasant soul walking through the gangsters getting to the tourist part. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's all about applying what you're used because some things are only scary because it's the same thing it's just not where you're used to experiencing it can right? i tell you guys what my fears are oh yes no. please my fears when i travel literally is is the food gonna be good and do they got good wi-fi i don't think about shit else being that i've been um on an adventure with you and um <laughs> I wouldn't even, you know, my first hostile experience, I got fussed at by Nubia because she goes, this is not a hostile experience. Why? Because I had a private room because my fear fear in a hostel is I'm going to have to wake up and kick your ass because you're too loud while I'm trying to sleep. You know what I'm saying? You're doing all this. I need to sleep. So my fear is, you know, I wake up and you got my shirt on and you think it's cute. You know what I'm saying? So I fear that. So I fear getting locked up abroad because, you know, the hood that jumped out of me. So it's not good for me to always share spaces in an already new place. Uh, so, yeah, I got a private room. I know. She was like, oh, this is my first hostel experience. I was like, this, this is, is not. 
an actual hostel experience. We got to get you in a shared dorm. When you're in a shared she, dorm, that's a hostel like, experience. She was like, my six foot ass is not in, in these little. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that in these little captain's beds with the drawers under. I'm not captain's doing that. <laughs> no. That's one thing that I loved about you, though. Immediately, like you know, meeting you, we kind of like just hit it off. And when I went to Tulum, you were one of my first visitors to support me in Tulum and hang out with me, and I was just so blessed and grateful. So thank you for that. Thank you. And to me, it's just it's all about you know, having a formula for how you deal with things, right? So that was a new thing for me, but I still work my formula. What is going to be uncomfortable for me and how could I make myself more comfortable? And so I just work that formula wherever I go. Yes, I would love to have a new experience in the hostel. I don't want to be in a bunk bed, so I ain't doing that. So yeah, I still got you to have the limitations. <laughs> yeah. There are things you will not tolerate. Yeah, and some people do Hello. stuff to make themselves uncomfortable, which is okay as well, you know what I mean? Because the whole point of getting out of your comfort Comfort zone is to do things that are different and not necessarily in your norm. Even if you try it out and don't like it, you can always change it. You're not not a tree. You're not stuck or rooted to something just because you try something else. And especially when people talk about, like you you mentioned, you know, people are always like, oh, I want to live the life you live. Oh, that's so cool and blah, 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 blah. But, and it's like, what's the but? You know, you don't have to do it like us. You don't have to leave and not come back. This is not a permanent situation all the time. You know what I mean? You can always check it out, go for a month and go take your ass back home. Like you don't have to do it like anyone else. Do it the way that works for you. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight Check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. Exactly. And not only that, you know, everything is not an adventure. If you know the foundation of the things that you need for yourself to feel comfortable, to feel safe, to feel happy, then you incorporate those. But you just leave room to have different adventures. So if you don't have this, you know, staunch rule about something, then try something new. I mean, Nubia, you got me on the back of a moped and you already know I wasn't really for that. Wait, that was funny as shit. Now, remind you, I'm driving the moped. And if anybody even has ever met me, I'm only five feet tall. Shay, six feet. Five feet. Shut up, Francis. You're like four. <laughs> 11. Come on. I was 11 11 and a quarter. I knew she was lying. I'm going to lie. You real short. I'm just saying. I I had to tell the truth. (laughs) (laughs) She always try to call out somebody. So it was funny because I'm I'm short and Shay's tall and she's on the back of the bike. I wish I could see that. (laughs) And her knees are like hitting my elbows. Girl, we go down the street and I immediately took the bike right back to the bike shop. Like, we can't do this. We need a car. <laughs> but that was fun, though. That was fun. Oh, my gosh. I can't. I, I forgot all about that. I just want to ask you, what has this decision, this lifestyle, what has it afforded you? How's your business going? Like, what has been different for you? So my business is going well. And I actually use the fact that I live this expat lifestyle as a unique identifier for my business to set me apart, you know, from other business consultant, entrepreneur coaches or whatever. It definitely works. Right. But I would say spiritually, personally, I definitely feel free. 
right? I really feel free. So I can wake up and now I actually have the routine that I kind of wanted where I can get up at whatever time I want to get up and I can kind of set the tone for my day um, instead of, you know, getting up, rushing, hitting traffic, going in and other people's energy is immediately inundating me and it's just too much, right? So I can just sit there and intentionally decide what do I want my life to look like and start to intentionally put those pieces in place and decide every day, is it still working? Because like Nubia said, if it's not working, if it's no longer serving me, I ain't got to do it. Just loving this journey of self because I spent a lot of time by myself. And it's funny because people are so afraid of other people. You know what I'm saying? Oh, the locals, oh, the cartel, oh, the whatever. But then when I say I spent a lot of time by myself, oh, aren't you lonely? Well, damn, what, what, you know, can I have a healthy mix? What's going on? I do what I need to do for me. You know, we have groups here. I don't always attend the group functions. I just do things as I feel it. What's the freedom, the exact freedom that I was looking for? So now it's empty nester. I have nobody else to consider but myself. And I really, really use that as the, you know, the measuring stick. Do I want to yeah. do it? Because if I don't, now, not- I have to also interject and say that you can create the life that you want. Anybody can anywhere. But it's also, you can also go abroad and go right back into the bullshit. It's very easy to move somewhere and get distracted by the social life, right? Where you're not getting anything done. It's easy to get back to the nine to five grind and working to death. You know what I'm saying? And falling back. It's just in a different environment. So you just really have to be, as you keep saying the word intentional, with how you spend your time. You know, there's times when I literally hit you up, was like, hey girl, you wanna do, you're like, nope, I gotta work on my business stuff right now. You know, you have to be disciplined when you are an entrepreneur and when you are in a, a different place because you do sometimes, you know, fall into, I remember when I, I, I got to Thailand, I'm thinking a whole different thing, right? Cause I'm, I'm looking at it from a national geographic standpoint, like the jungle. But Chiang Mai was so developed, right? And it's like the second largest, you know, city in Thailand. And I find this huge community of people of color. And I was like, Whoa, like literally, I was only in Thailand like three days and I met like 50 black people. I remember someone reaching out to me within my first two months and go two months and going, what exactly did you go to Thailand for? Because everything that you're doing there, you were doing in D.C. Mm-hmm. Going to the happy hours, going to dinners, and hanging out and da, da, da. You get what I'm saying? Like there was no productivity going on in the sense of me creating what my life was going to look like. Instead, I fell into the social life, the expat social life. And I was just like, just gallivanting around, spending money, not realizing that all the money that I brought with me was dwindling and I wasn't making no freaking money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once again, that's why that word intentional is so important, right? And it's okay to do that if that's what you want to do. You know, I'm kind of a little, you know, I almost want to say F them because, you know, what if that's what you wanted to do? You wanted to do exactly what you were doing in D.C., but you wanted to do it in Chiang Mai. You know what I'm saying? What about it? You know what I'm saying? But that wasn't my intention, though. My intention was I a different thing. But once I got there and I seen, you know, stuff that felt familiar. It's not just intention. It's about reflection. You know, I lived mm-hmm. nine months in Japan and I realized pretty quickly Japan wasn't a place for me because I felt like I was 
in the U.S. I knew Japan was a workaholic kind of country, but to experience it firsthand is a different story. And I knew that it was just too rigid for me, and I had to I had to go because it just didn't align anymore. So that constant reflection and intentionality, and also making sure that you're in alignment with your values, with your goals. All that stuff has to be in alignment. And the minute it's out of alignment, that reflection gets you right back on track. And that intention keeps you focused onto that goal or whatever it is you want to do. Yes, I love that because for me, I guess automatically with my intention comes reflection. So I'm glad that you pulled that out for people that that is not true for. Um, Because for me to be intentional, I have to evaluate what's going on to see how it feels. And to see if it still fits what I said is important, what I said I want to do, what I said makes me happy. One thing I am trying to be conscious of being here is the minimalistic uh, ideology that I've adapted. I get here and so I decorated this little apartment with some Walmart stuff. You know, I had a desk made, I had a shelf made for function. Basically, because I want to live this minimalistic lifestyle, I made the decision that I'm only spending money on stuff I'm willing to leave here. That kind of changes how much you're willing to invest, mm-hmm. right? So true. Yeah. And so I also, you know, I only want to have enough stuff and possessions that can fit into those same four bags I came here with. You know what I'm saying? So I love art. I love things like that. I love jewelry. I have to be careful not to keep buying that stuff and collecting that stuff. And so now, you know, I have like a whole nother house. I now have to either sell stuff or give away to yeah. move on. You kind of have to, like you said, go back and reflect what is working, what is not working. Am I on track for what I said I want? Have I changed what I want? And I mean, it's okay to change, but you have to just be aware that, yes, I am changing. So I got here in January of last year and I didn't come out and started going with groups until June because I was adamant about setting my own things up, setting my own normal before I allow people to change my flow. You know what I'm saying? Because- Yeah, because you find people who you align with and you do want to spend time with them. But what happens is you now are caught up in their flow. So they want to go to dinner on this day or they want to go to this restaurant or they want to go to this activity. You know what I'm saying? And maybe, hey, let's go back to them ducats. Maybe you don't have them ducats like that because it wasn't in this little part right here. This is not when I get money. So I shouldn't be spending a whole bunch of money. Or maybe it's, you know, I really need to be more productive in this season. Right now, you know, I'm really focused on getting ready for 2020. You know, it's December of 2019. I got some things I have to just heads down. You know, I'm always getting inboxes. Hey, can we do? Hey, there's a wine thing going on yesterday that people wanted me to come to. I mean, granted, I am fun to be around. But... Girl. Girl. Girl got shit to do. So, you know, you have to understand <laughs> that, you know, each yeah, but also it's, about, it's also it's about really identifying what you want. What I tell people all the time is it's harder to be a traveler if you're around people who always complain about, oh, where are you going? I don't travel. I don't do whatever. You, you have to meet like, like-minded individuals. So if you're yeah. around like-minded individuals who have an entrepreneurial spirit, who are about process, yeah. focus, and stuff like that, you learn a lot more from the environment that you're in. You understand what I'm saying? Because you intentionally put yourself in the environment with other people who are doing sort of the same kind of things yeah. as And yourself. it keeps you accountable. Yeah. I think, oh, this is the head accountability. It keeps bitch. you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> the head accountability bitch. Because <laughs> we're, we're, we're in you a have- 
mastermind, and we have labeled her the head accountability bitch. So she she's like, yeah. okay, what's going on? Who's doing what? And, and, and are you done with your shit today or not? That like, will transform your life. <laughs> that does. You know, I think a lot of us do need more of that. You don't need to be an entrepreneurial to be held accountable. I think just... In, in general in life because I think milestones are important because if you look back and you're like it looks like a big haze you're like what the hell did I do with my life kind of thing so having that accountability person in your life friend family whomever stranger doesn't matter will help you you know maintain that alignment so that's awesome and let's talk about you being a, a consult a coach basically when did you start really tapping into your skills to say you know what I want to help entrepreneurs propel their business because I have the mindset, right, and the logistical background to help other people. Because sometimes I, I realize a lot, I am not a worker bee. I can help, I'm, my mind works off of ideas and I can give people ideas all day long, but I don't always execute. You're an executioner. You're like, okay, let's get this shit done, right? Mm-hmm. When did you start really tapping into being that coach? So I'll tell you, you know, I'm just arrogant enough to take credit, but I won't. (laughs) So I did. I'm not the one that discovered. Basically, it presented itself as a business. So the business that I had was I was doing self-publication services. Um, I didn't publish people like and put my company's name on there. So I wasn't a publishing house. I just provided publication services for people who wanted to self-publish. I I let them keep the power and I just did the work for them. Right. Um, But what I noticed was people was coming to me and asking me, Hey, you know, how are you getting clients? How are you, you know, doing this great job with your content on social media? You know, I noticed that every time somebody's talking about publishing, you're getting tagged. How are you getting these referrals? You know, how do you have your system set up? How do you have your processes set up? All these things with me always having had that entrepreneurial spirit. I can recognize when something is being asked of me over and over again, I can monetize. So that's actually why I invested in the um, business coaching when I was still in corporate America, because I wanted to add in that business coaching element to my publication and I couldn't figure out how to do it on my own. I didn't want two separate businesses because that's double the work, right? I wanted a way to marry it. So I'm only doing marketing for one business and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, I, I got this coach that helped me to do for me what I do for other people, because sometimes we can't do for ourselves what we do for other people. At that time is when right before I stopped um, in corporate America is when I actually incorporated that business consulting element of it. But I still had to find ways to do it my way. Right. Because keep in mind, I'm the rebel. And you have to be aware of how people see things and what expectations they place on things. So my education and all of my achievement was as a paralegal. I don't have any education or formal education and accolades as a business coach. You know what I'm saying? So if I came and I said, hey, I'm a business consultant, I'm a business coach. You're the well, the average person is going to expect me to have an MBA. So the first thing that I did was I don't call myself really a business coach or consultant unless somebody just needs that to put me in a box. Right. But for my clients, I tell them I'm an entrepreneur coach. See, that comes with a whole different set of expectations that I get to create. They don't really have a reference for that. But with those two words, they know what I do. Right. With people coming to me and asking me for help. I then had to kind of structure some type of process, some type of formula for how I would help them. And so that's how I kind of had the business. So I would love to say it was my idea, but it wasn't. It was different people coming to me. And then I took that and made it into what it is. Nice. That does happen. And I think we were talking about a little bit earlier. It's like you may not see the skill sets that you have, but other people do. And then you're like, oh, this is what I do. Yeah, I've been doing this. So it's like, all right, well, how do I... 
systemize yeah. this and then create it in a way that's really going to be beneficial for people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think part of that happens when you have the space to think and feel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're back in corporate America and running and gunning and stuff like that, that space isn't there. Always, yeah. Isn't yeah. always there. But when you take that time to be alone with yourself, yeah. with your thoughts, to really get to know yourself, clarity comes. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's dope, though. That's that's amazing. And, you know, again, it's just another testament on how you taking the time out to really think about what works for you, mm-hmm. stepping forward, even as a mother, even as, you know, um, a worker at the time, because you started this process while you were working, which makes a lot of sense. Because a lot of times when you have the capital, <laughs> that's when you want to putting the, the huge investments into yourself. A lot of times people go, well, how do you save money to do X, Y, and Z? And it's like, if you really look at the little things that you do, I tell people, I'm like, if you are a smoker, guess what? You're spending way too much money a month smoking. Quit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Me was happy hour. I would, if I didn't go to brunch or happy hour for a month, I probably could have saved a couple of hundred each month. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. By not doing that. Just look at your habits. Things like cable and internet and all that stuff in the state sometimes cost a hell of a lot more money than it's worth. You know, are you watching the cable? If not, cancel the shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's little ways that you can do to invest in yourself first mm-hmm. before making the decision to go ahead and pull that trigger to either leave your job. Whether you're leaving the states or not, you know, before you make other decisions, start looking within self first. Yeah. What is it that I'm yeah. doing? What is it that I can make little, like you said, the micro? Well, I said micro acts of courage, but yeah, micro That's still acts. a micro acts of courage. I mean, mm-hmm. some people don't understand that making those little changes, you know, it impacts you and yeah. it can impact you in a positive way. Yeah. And just like when I returned to the workforce, the position that I was in is temporary. It could have been extended, but I had to make some sacrifices. I knew I wanted to go back and travel. So that meant I could have gone and got an apartment in Boston and do all these things. But I'm like, I don't want to spend, you know, full market rent. That's not happening. So I made the sacrifice, lived with my cousin and give her some money and all that stuff. But that allowed me to be here in Mexico for the next 30 days. I'm on a one-way ticket. And I'm like, and people are like, oh, when you come back, I'm like, eh, you know, <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> When does that snow? When is it over? Um, But, you know, so it's like you do have to make some form of sacrifice. One of my favorite quotes by the psychologist named Susan Davis, and she says that discomfort is the price for a meaningful life. Okay. Period. So if you're looking to have more meaning in your life, whether it's relationships, whether it's work, there is a level of discomfort that goes along with that. Even if you're ready to love somebody, you have to be vulnerable, right? If you are ready to go off and do that entrepreneurial thing, you have to not be risk averse to a certain degree, you know? So it's like there is a level of discomfort that goes hand in hand with living a meaningful life. Yeah. So when you left, you went to Belize initially. Mm -hmm. Tell me what that thought process was. Why, Why Belize? Okay. So I'm a planner. I've learned to adjust and not be married to the plan, but I do at least try to put some kind of construct um, together. So what I decided the criteria was is it had to be somewhere that wasn't that far, you know, where it wouldn't take me long to fly back home if I needed to, because keep in mind, you know, the folks was tripping, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and it's my first time being away for an extended amount of time. I need to be able to get back if I need to get back. So I also wanted that flight to not only be short, I wanted it to be cheap, right? So uh, we need that thing to be economical. Um, I wanted to live somewhere where the dollar conversion 
was a good conversion. But in addition to that, because some people think that just a dollar conversion is all you have to think about. No, no, no. You also have to go somewhere where the cost of living is lower so that my dollar goes further. So, yes, I can get two for one on a dollar, but also my my rates are not, you know, where they have made up for that two for one. Right. Or I went over it. And so it doesn't really mean anything that, you know, the conversion is two for one. And um, I also wanted to go somewhere where there was an expat community. And in Belize, uh, the expat community was unseasoned ish. Uh, there were very few that looked like us. So I didn't necessarily want to have a social connection with the expat community in Belize because it actually didn't fit my goal for Belize. But I wanted to have a, a group resource for if I need help with something. You know, what do you know about it? And, you know, one thing about unseasoned chicken, they always have uh, networks and resources. So that was a good thing. Just just to let you know. And the next thing that I wanted was I didn't want there to be much of a language barrier because Belize was all about me truly structuring my business to be international. Those three months I was in Belize was about heads down getting work done, not being social, but really, you know, figuring out what works. I, I really needed <laughs> I really needed time you know, to be by the beach so that it's not really too social. But I really wanted time to myself. So I didn't want to be that that um, social and I didn't want to be tempted. So where I lived in Belize was not the tourist area. I was in Corozal, Corozal, Belize, which is right under uh, the southeastern border of Mexico by Chechabal. And um, yeah, not a lot happens there. It is beautiful. I was like two blocks from the beach and the beach was pretty. Um, it was it was beautiful. But also, you know, you, you mess around and miss that 6 a.m. Um, market on Monday or Friday. You don't have fruits or vegetables for the week because all the stores sell is non-perishables. So it was that deep. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. was that, you know, non-touristy. One important thing with Belize, why Belize was first, because I had a little running list and I don't remember every country and um, city that was on the list. But Belize, the entire country, the official language of Belize is English. So it's in South America, but the official language is English. Now, it's the Queen's English, but, you know, that just means uh, they're going to have trouble with my Southern accent. But, you know, <laughs> tea time. Well, the great thing about it is you was very like the word intentional just keeps coming up. You really mm-hmm. mapped it out mm-hmm. for yourself or what's going to work for you. Now, when I left, it wasn't. I'm such a shallow person when it comes to food. Like, I, I wanted to go to Vietnam because I wanted to eat. Like, I was just like, I love Vietnamese food. Asia, I'm, I'm like fascinated by Asian culture. In Boston, there's a heavy, like, community of people who are Asian. And, you know, I just figured, you know, let me just go there. I didn't really map it out the way you mapped it out, right? Because these countries, I didn't speak the languages. And I went way far away, like, on the other side of the hemisphere. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't map out the countries. I didn't either. map out the countries the way you did. And that I think that is commendable in how you did that. And Belize is a place that a lot of people don't recognize much because it's, it is small, it's in Central America, it's not far, and the American dollar is actually double in Belize. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful it place, is. you know, they have a major city, Belize City, and it's not too far from anything or any, you know, it's really nice. So I'm glad that you kind of mapped that out. Now, on a spiritual note, mm-hmm. did you feel a sense of peace mentally or whatever? For me, it was like being out of the U.S., was the first time I've ever truly, I felt, felt what happiness felt like. Because there was a sense of tranquility that I never had before. Okay. I'll tell you the things that stood out to me as spiritual was just the ruralness of it. You know what I'm saying? And the nature of it. In Belize, the sounds were just 
National Geographic. You know what I'm saying? The sounds were just definitely, you know, I still have on my phone where I recorded those birds acting up in the trees in the morning time, right? I loved the water and the water was peaceful because I didn't live in a tourist area. It wasn't a lot of people in the water. So you could do video, you could do audio of just the water just flowing, right? And so I'm the person that goes to sleep to like thunderstorms and, you know, ocean waves and stuff like that is very tranquil to me. And so I love that even when it rained, even when the wind blew, just those sounds were almost like a, you know, an ambient sound soundtrack. And so I loved that about it. Um, another thing I loved about it is people move real slow. I heard the women and, you know, a lot of people call some of the people lazy because what they would do is they would only work enough to pay for like beer and food. Right. And then when that money ran, and then they, if they if they hit a lick, they start working now. They start working. Right. And they wait until they run out of money for the beer and the food to start working again. So they don't work consistently. So that helped me to say, oh, OK, you know, your head's down planning stuff. But you also need to take time, uh, you know, to enjoy where you have brought yourself. And so I used to have to, you know, be intentional um, and, and kind of plan days where I would go to the beach and I would plan to go like during the week when nobody was there because, you know, Sundays and Saturdays would be like family time as locals would go there and they would have whole dinners at the beach. So I just, ooh, I just loved it. So it was very spiritual for me. I thought I was going to do more yoga than I did. The house that I did through home away, <laughs> look, had an entire yoga studio upstairs, right? The whole upstairs was a yoga studio. Yeah, I barely <laughs> bent over to pick up clothes, let alone, you know, actually do some real yoga. Even now, I feel like I do more yoga in my mind than I do on the mat. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Yeah. Well, you know, the great thing about it is you mentioned about on the weekend, Saturday and Sundays, and how that was really a time for the Belizean people to spend time with their families. It's mm -hmm. the same way in Mexico. Mm -hmm. You can attest to this. Mm -hmm. So when I get people who are in my inbox that say, I'm just waiting for my youngest to get out of school, I tell them all the time, stop waiting, take your youngest and go. Because other countries really do value family and community. Since you've been here, Francis, we've discussed even you see more men with their children. Where in the mm -hmm. U.S., it has actually become a norm for men to abandon their children. And like it's, like it's okay or some shit. And it's not. You know what I mean? But in these other countries, they truly value family yeah. on a whole different level. Yeah, we went to a, a music festival, international music festival, and there were so many kids and so many just having, playing, just playing, having, having a good time. All the families were out. So it's like there's this whole idea like, oh, when I told uh, my brother I was coming to Mexico, he was like, oh, it's dangerous. Why are you going there? I'm, number one, he's never traveled outside of Massachusetts. It's not like, you know, like, so I, you know, I just listen. I don't say anything, but there is a misconception. And if only people would just come out and just like give it a chance. Like I was really pleasantly surprised that there are so many families really enjoying each other and enjoying the day. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And that's something that we don't get to do in America most at all. Because like you said, you're spending most times working. And when you're not working, your kids are in sports. And when they're not in sports, it's like they're spending time with their friends. And then you're spending trying to spend time with your own friends or trying to do whatever. And you never really get that sense of family time. So but Saturday and Sunday oh my God. in Latin America, they the whole city shut down for a family. Like, 
the major streets are closed down so that people can ride their bikes and uh, roller skate and have picnics and go to the beach. And you know what I mean? They're packing up their cars and they're going and spending time, actual family time. I remember going out to eat my first weekend in Mexico. And I was sitting at the the table by myself and I just was looking around and you can genuinely feel the love that everybody had for each other at the tables. Just the the happiness and the sparks in their eyes and it's usually like some elder at the table. They're with their whole freaking family, like 12, three or four generations. You know what I'm saying? And they're really just having fun. They're not in their phones. They're not taking selfies. They're not taking food photos. They're laughing. They're joking. They're drinking. They're talking. Talking, and they're just loving on the time that they're spending with each other. Yeah. And we don't do that in America enough. We don't. And as a testament to what you're saying, you're in Mexico City. I'm in Playa del Carmen. And not only is it family oriented, but like you said, it's, it's differently family oriented. So the elders are very much a part of all of it. You know what I'm saying? They're not separating themselves from the elders. And so there's a value you can get from your elders that, you know, people aren't getting in the U.S. because you don't go visit your grandparents. You know what I'm saying? Or when y'all plan activities, you don't invite your grandparents. And so here you see the umbrellas. Is that how I say it? Okay. Abuela. Abuela. Hey, you know I'm country. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So you see the grandparents and they're very much. Um, a part of it. I also see where the grandparents have a kind of a job in the family to help take care of the young kids so that the older adults can work more. So it's like an economic thing too, right? I don't see helicopter parenting, right? Nobody's really hovering over the kids. These kids are everywhere and they are having a fun, fun and they're having adventures and they're learning independence and they're learning community and they're learning friendship and connectedness. And I mean, it's just amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah. And they all go to the beach and, you know, the grandparents, you know, the, the, the parents and the kids, and they're all actually in the water, unlike us black people. <laughs> so, yeah, it's amazing to watch. But back to food also. You see how food is a real staple in these countries, you know, and that goes for even a lot of European countries. Food is where you actually break bread with the people that you love. Commune. Exactly. See, it goes back. I knew there was a reason why me and food are like, you know no, what I'm just saying? Angry, girl. I know there's a reason why food is so important to me because food is a sense of love. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? It's a way to connect. I'm going to go ahead and be honest and let you know food to me is just great because it never disappoints. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I thank God for good genes. Oh, you see some of the stuff that she be posting. What was it? The last one was something was burning on fire. Talking about what was it? What was y'all burning? What was that? It was drinks or something. I don't even know. It was, uh, yeah, it was uh, like a sugar cube in the drink. So, you know, alcohol is very much a part of my food source. Uh, but yeah, I good love steaks. food. And, and if it wasn't for good genes, you know, I would definitely be living that 600 pound life because I don't have discipline in that area. But I love some good food. Uh, I'm always pleasantly surprised. So unlike you, I don't target good food. I'm pleasantly surprised when I get it. But I mean, I think that that's interesting because you like the fact that I, you know, come with a plan and the plan is to be productive or whatever. But your plan is, you know, good food and good times. One is not better than the other. You simply have to decide what your priority is and put your time and your money in that priority. So even like the people who say, I wish I could travel or whatever. Okay, well, guess what? Look at where you put in your time and look at where you put in your money. That's your true priority. And if you don't like that true reality priority, change it. And then that's where you need to put your time and that's where you need to put your money. So if you want to travel, boo, put your time and your money into travel. 
That's yeah. true. I mean, my thing is do what nourishes your soul mm-hmm. and then work around that. You work inside out, not yeah. outside in. Because that's not how we're taught. That's not how we're taught. And, you know, a lot of people look at that negatively. You know, I don't necessarily get a lot of support from my family with me being abroad mm-hmm. because to them, you know, leaving the constructs of what to them looks like normalcy is like abandonment. I get that. I mean, people, they don't understand. You know, and so what you have to do is, you know, pull out and don't take it personal and understand they're in the box and they're only comfortable with the box and they want you to be in the box with them. Right. I think my personality, as you guys probably can tell, doesn't uh, lend itself to a lot of outside opinions. Mm -hmm. And I've been that way for a long time. So it's it's not as hard for me. People are used to me just doing whatever the hell I want to do without apology, without asking. You know what I'm saying? They just turn around and I'm doing it. When you come from being in the box and working the way the box is, there's always going to be pushback when you try to get out the box because it makes people look at them and say, why I would love to do that, but she's doing it. I don't like that she's doing it. Not necessarily that it's jealousy, but I have all these reasons why I can't do it. Why don't these reasons apply to her? They should apply to her when they don't get to make the rules for her. You know what I'm saying? You only get to make the rules for you. A lot of people, you know, I would say the majority of people uh, are so busy trying to keep other people in the box just because the box either is comfortable for them or they're too afraid to go beyond the box. And I'm glad you said about not taking it personally because I did. It took a long time before I started to be able to let that go and be okay with my decisions and not worry about the outside forces. And I can't lie, even when I started this travel life, I used to be what I call travel bougie, where I used to look at people and be like, what do you mean you don't travel? Like, you know what I mean? And then I'm just like, Nubia, that's not, it's not everybody's thing. And that's okay. You know, so that's why I always push. It's not about getting up and moving abroad. It's about getting up and changing your environment if you're not happy. Whatever that environment looks like. I don't give a shit if you move down a street to another city or town. Just take time out to find out what works for you, what you're passionate about. And like Francis just said, go work from the inside out and stop doing stuff because you feel like you have to do it and you're unhappy. And then that's why America got a fucked up mental health you know, situations going on because nobody's happy. And, you know, I I get anxiety every time I even step foot back on U.S. soil because you can feel the tension in the air. air. And I don't give a shit what state or city I'm in. It's so, like, it's 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 crazy. Like, I was in Oakland not too long ago, and the funny thing about it is I I literally was able to get together with multiple women that I had met in Thailand a year or so before. And I'm like, why is everybody in Oakland? What's going on? And I was like, oh, is this place cool? But then as I'm riding through Oakland, I'm, I'm getting more and more depressed because they have these tent cities of homeless people that are just mm. lining the streets. And then when I did a little bit more research and heard a little bit more, the Bay Area or San Francisco is considered the most expensive city to live in in the U.S., where a one-bedroom can cost you over $3,000. And the average person, in order to live comfortably in Oakland, would have to make $210,000 a year for a one-bedroom apartment, a vehicle, 
And like all these statistics just don't make freaking sense to me. And to see people out on the streets because they can't afford to live someplace or eat because a salad is costing you $15, a smoothie is costing you 10. When we live in these countries where a smoothie that is regular fresh vegetables that are grown in this country are costing us $1.50. Yeah, people are being pressed mm-hmm. out. Yes, and it it hurts my heart. You understand what I'm saying? It hurts every fiber of my being to see American people in that way. You know, in America, that's supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. And you can barely make do with what you got. I definitely agree. When I come back, I'm already planning my exit before I even get there. Because the energy just does not match the intention and life design. You know, I let the energy be the energy, but I recognize it's not the energy that I want. And so I definitely make it temporary. I definitely, like you said, we, you know, I live down the street from the Fruiteria and, you know, I can go in there and get this huge one liter bottle of my choice of fresh juices. You know what I'm saying? And in the U.S., you know, not only is it not fresh, but it's, it's expensive as hell. Now the lifestyle that I've become accustomed to, you go to the U.S. and it costs way more. So I'm already not coin adjacent as soon as I hit land. So I'm about ready to go. But I feel like it just goes back to, Putting your life design in the forefront, realizing what makes you happy and what doesn't and focusing on what works for you. It's fine for the people who are still in the box. You know, they might not even see the walls of the box. They're so happy. That's fine for you. But for me, not only do I see the walls, I feel like they up on me. So I can't stay in the box. You know what I'm saying? But I kind of never really did. You know, I was in the box kicking walls anyway. Once again, travel, you know, living somewhere else, all of it has to do with You know, like Francis said, what's in you? It all starts with what's in you. And what's out of you should be a reflection of what's in you. Preach! Oh my gosh, Shay, we could be talking. We could talk forever. Oh it's been such a pleasure to have on the show. Yes, um, yes, and yes. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Because I know you are very much like, I got shit to do. I'm in productivity mode. Leave me alone. I'll, I'll come up for I'll be honest with you. I'm be honest with you. The fat girl inside of me, like, it's time to eat and take a nap. I'm with you, girl. That is the fly away. Eat and take a nap. I am hoping to have you back on again because there is so much to discuss. And like I said, it's refreshing for me to be able to have this discussion with another woman of color who is a single mother and who has, you know, taken that leap of faith and really does it unapologetically. Yeah. And inspiring other people to help really live their best lives and and be really focused um, and intentional. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I kind of want to, I wanted to ask this one last question and it doesn't have to be a a large, you know, conversation. I want to ask, pose this to both you, Francis and um, Shay. Oh, it's been here, huh? It's a part of the script. (laughs) She is a mess. If only y'all knew. (laughs) All right. So because we're all single parents, if either one of you knew what you know now, would you have moved abroad with your children? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I thought the question was going to be, would you have had kids? No. Uh-uh. Okay, I'm going to act right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. See, I'm already messing up being a guest. I'm sorry. Ask the full question. My question was, had you known what you know now, right? Let's do the what is. 
Would you have okay. moved abroad with your children and raised your children abroad, or would Absolutely. you have stayed in America? Absolutely. I would have moved abroad with my, my son. Even though your primary, what you would call support network, is in America, you still would have left? Yeah, because even when I had my son, I moved out of the city where my grandmother and my aunts were. Um, yes, I still had that connection. I could always drive over. But, and then when he was in middle school, I moved out of the state. So I, just like you, Shay, I, I was the person that was kind of like always doing my own thing anyway. And my son, is a, a he's a very quirky kid. So I think living abroad would have been great for him. Mm-hmm. What about you, Shay? Um, definitely. They have this thing now that I've learned, right, uh, yeah. called world schooling. They're world schooling kids, right? And I think that that is so awesome. So for me, being a single parent, I kind of tried to do my version of it where, you know, I couldn't afford to fly, you know, all of us somewhere. So I would just take that money and we did road trips as far as I could drive by myself. Right. Just to try to get them to where, you know, they're experiencing other ways of living. And thank God when the mega bus came around, you know, then, you know, we could hop on it. Right. So my my youngest child um, actually got to to experience way more travel than his older brothers, because, of course, as a single parent, your goal is to year after year better your circumstance. So his older brothers didn't have it as, quote unquote, good as he had it. I feel like that world schooling, that getting a sense of other cultures is an education in itself. And not only that, that being bilingual. You know, growing up somewhere, no, they don't know the language like you, but guess who's going to pick it up before you? them? You know what I'm saying? And so I don't want people to even think that you go to another country and they don't have schools or classes where they get taught in English because they do. And so I feel like that is just such a gift you can give to your child, even being able to give my youngest son that first high school, half half a high school in another country. I was amazed at how, you know, that boy would do his little online stuff. And, you know, I had to, I'll be honest, I had the fear, I had to overcome allowing him to leave, you know, by himself to just explore the town. But, you know, that little boy was like, look, I can't stay here all day looking at you work. So we're going to work some out. What do you need to be comfortable? So, you know, we went through our little process. And so he would do his work, hop on that bike and be gone until dark. So he could finish his work around two o'clock, be gone till it's dark. It was amazing to me the connections that boy made on his own. I would walk in stores. I would walk in restaurants and people be like, oh, that's Justin's mom. That's Justin's mom. And I'm like, damn, Justin, a little star over here in Corazal, Corazal, Belize. You know what I'm saying? And not only that, they have a chance to be outside of what they're used to in the United States. And they unknowingly become intentional because whoever you didn't get to be in the U.S., who you wanted to be, you can then now come to this country and decide this is what I want to be. And this is where I'm going to put my energy into being. And it's, it's just amazing to watch them bloom. So even his independence increased. So I definitely as early as possible would have definitely done it. That's, you know, if I had kids, because if I had to do it over again, I've already established. If I had to do it over again, I definitely would have packed up those little rugrats and taken them with me. After interviewing hundreds of people and crossing paths with hundreds of expats and seeing people with their children, the children just seem well behaved. They seem to have a different sense of what, you know, just, just well manners look like and their, their palettes are more, you know, uh, not wide. Not refined, but not they're, refined. Yeah. they're just more open. They're more and they're open. Just, and I think it really impacts their social skills Big in time. a way that's positive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they can pick up and connect with people in ways that kids in the States might be more reluctant to. And I think living abroad gives them that exposure. 
Yeah, and they're able to really learn how, and you just get a better connection with your child as well, you know, in a different different way. I definitely agree with the connection. I definitely agree with the openness that they have, but it's some badass expat kids. We ain't gonna act like them children ain't bad. It's some bad. (laughs) Well, don't forget, we spent. Well, I spent my first few years in Asia, and the kid, the kids in Asia are a lot different. They just, they just have a a much more respect for their elders. They they listen. In Mexico, I noticed the kids are a little bit different. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Because they, wow. they be high on that yeah. sugar. I mean, they. whenever I see Mexican kids, they got some kind of candy, soda pop, something stuck in their mouth. But anyway. Also, Coca-Cola is king here. So, yeah, yeah they, they got a Coke and a smile. Just know yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop this right here because this one. <laughs> Girl, that is so true. That is so true. But, yeah. So, you know, the first two years I've seen kids in Asia, they were just a lot more refined in that way. You know what I mean? Because Asian parents don't play that for the most part. They don't. And they just raise their kids to give respect for elderly and the elders, period. Where American children, I don't think, understand it as much. It's different. It's just different. It's just different. Yeah. But but Shay, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you? What are you working on next? So that they can connect with your lively spirit. All right, so they can find me online at Expertly Shay. That's E X P E R T L Y S H A. And I'm on all social media um, under that username. So find me, connect with me. You can follow my hashtag, Propel Lifestyle with Shay. So I'm not spelling it out, figure it out, Propel Style Shay. <laughs> and you can see it will be in the show notes. It will be in the show notes. <laughs> Make it easy on everybody. <laughs> Shay, thank it's you so much. Hashtag. <laughs> All right. No, seriously. It was so much fun having you on the show. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.